since I was a good student and I was a, tried to be a good person and all that, everybody thought I should be a sister. Well, I thought if they think I should be a sister, this is high school. If they thought I should be a sister, they could forget it. I'm not doing it. Bad. What you think and what God thinks are two different things. So. <laughs> Welcome to Sharing Our Marianist Stories. I'm Patty Garrett. And I'm Sister Gabby Bebo. What you'll hear in this podcast is Sister Marie Abmeyer telling her early vocation story of how she got to know um, how she became a Marianist sister. And particularly, she'll talk about her experience of going to Texas to meet the sisters, um, going to Dayton for a little while to get to know the sisters, and then finally doing her novitiate in Spain, which in those days was quite an adventure. I was very happy and excited to hear that you were interviewing Sister Marie Admire about her choices to become a Marianist sister and the fact that she was one of the first Marianist sisters. In fact, a question I do have is is she the first Marianist sister? Um, she was not the first Marianist sister for the United States Foundation, but she was definitely one of the first. The history of it is a little bit complicated. You know, many people know that the Marianist brothers and priests came here around 1849. Few people know that the Marianist sisters did not come to the United States until 1949. So that's 100 years later. So what's cool about that is we have more like living people who were part of that history of that foundation here. Um, and, and Sister Marie is definitely part of that. And because the story is sort of complicated in parts and is very chronological, you'll hear interjections from me in different parts of the podcast to help provide some context for what Marie says because she doesn't necessarily explain everything um, and so if we don't give a little context it's very easy to get lost or confused. So here's Sister Marie Admire telling parts of her vocation story and we hope that you enjoy and learn something too. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I grew up in a normal Catholic family. I had uh, three brothers and one sister. And uh, we had, in grade school, we had the school sisters of Notre Dame. In high school, I went to a Benedictine school, uh, St. Benedict's Academy. And then, of course, we had Benedictine sisters. Uh, We had an all-boys school that was within walking distance of where we lived. The school was North Catholic. My brother George, who's two older, two years older than I am, started, and he was there until he was a sophomore. But I was still in grade school when I graduated from eighth grade. He uh, decided that he wanted to become a merit and belong to the Society of Mary, and he wanted to become a priest. So he decided then to go to um, to come to Dayton and to go to Mount St. John, where they had what was called then the postulate. Uh, so he went there. Um, 
and and then through that we got to know the brothers a little bit better. And and I and I of course in the meantime, since I was a good student and I was a, tried to be a good person and all that, everybody thought I should be a sister. Well, I thought if they think I should be a sister, this is high school. If they thought I should be a sister, they could forget it. I'm not doing it. But what you think and what God thinks are two different things. So, <laughs> After her brother George left home to become a Marianist, Sister Marie's parents became affiliates. That's a type of lay Marianist commitment. At their affiliation ceremony, Marie and her family met the Superior General of the Society of Mary, who leads all the Marianist brothers in the world. My parents were received back in 1940, maybe eight. The general administrator, the general father, good father he was called, uh, was from the United States. His name was Sylvester Jurgens. When they became affiliates, it was a ceremony and all that. Father Jurgens was going, you know, and stopping. You know how they, quote, unquote, this is my word. I don't know if it's a word or not, but table hop. And they go, go say hello. And he was very good at that. Well, anyway, he came to um, the table where we were. I don't know what happened. If I don't know, he, I said something. Probably did. I introduced myself, you know, and probably did. The next morning, this happened on a Sunday. Monday morning, I got a phone call from the brothers. One of the brothers called and said that the Father Jurgens was, was wondering if I would like to go and talk to him. If he had called about, well, five minutes later, I'd have been gone. And that was here. I was teaching. I taught fourth grade at a parish school. And um, I used to go out to the school uh, by streetcar. And uh, usually I left the house by 10 after 7 uh, to get the, the first streetcar. But... I wasn't gone. I was still there, probably trying to fly out the, out of the house. Um, and for probably a few minutes, I almost said no. But then I, I guess I figured, well, we can't lose anything. Or I don't know what I thought. But anyway, I did. I went to talk to Father Jurgens. Marie didn't know this before meeting Father Jurgens, but the Marianist sisters in Spain were about to start a community in the United States, beginning in Texas. Father Jurgens was helping the sisters recruit American women for the new foundation. We talked, this is kind of funny, I think, we talked most, mostly about marriage because he said, if you are not going to get married, okay, but if you are and you're still thinking about religious life, you have to know what is the difference between married life and religious life what are some of the good things and not-so-good things about married life and not-so-good things and good things about religious life. So I guess we probably talked about an hour. See, I had said, well, if there were sisters like the brothers, maybe I'd become a sister. He said, oh, yeah, there were sisters coming, and they were going to go to Texas. Father Jurgens explained that the sisters weren't coming to Texas for another year. However, at that moment... There were some other Marianist sisters from Europe living in Dayton, temporarily, as they studied at the university. So he had an idea for her. Then he suggested that maybe that in the summertime I could maybe go down to UD 
and take a course or two <clears throat> because three sisters were going to come over to the United States to start a foundation in Japan. But they were coming to the United States to learn the American system of education so that then they would be better prepared. And his suggestion was in order to meet the sisters. Now, with them was a young woman from uh, Hawaii. This was Sister Laola Hironaka. Uh, she's a very gifted, uh, a very gifted, interesting person. Laola ended up being the very first American Marianist sister. She knew Marianist brothers in Hawaii, and they encouraged her to become a sister. This was after she was crowned as Miss Hawaii, by the way. She was doing her postulancy with the sisters in Dayton, then going to France for her novitiate. She later on in life did important work for Amnesty International, working closely with people like Bono. Yeah, the Bono. He called our house in San Antonio one time, wanting to talk to Laola. I think the sister who answered the phone thought it was a prank call. I never met her. She died in 2009. But there are a lot of great stories about her. So she was going to come with the three sisters. And then she was going to go on to France whenever the school term ended. And then to that, I came to that. At the end of the summer school, I go home because I said, if I don't know for sure, I can't go to Europe. Because if I don't know and don't like it, what am I going to do? We were going to have to go to Europe because we didn't have permission yet to start a formation program. And we would go to Spain because we would get some roots of a sp the Spanish language because we were going to work in Somerset. And that was this little parish that was outside of San Antonio. She wanted to live with these sisters in Texas for a while before she took the trip to Europe for novitiate. In this next part, Marie talks about what it was like going to Texas for the first time. Also, you should know that at this point, I'm interviewing Marie in the activities room at her nursing home. So that background noise that you'll hear, that's a couple of ladies setting up for their bingo game. I told my mother if I don't go, and I, if I don't go and I get married, I will, um, I will always think, well, maybe I should have. I was 19. <laughs> I wouldn't say I was exactly scared, but yeah, I sort I sort of was because you didn't fly. That was way too expensive. But I had to go by train. My parents got a roomette for me in the train. You went on smaller trains, and then when you got to St. Louis, they connected all of these on to this train that was going to Texas, and then as they got closer. Some would go off to um, Texarkana. Some went off to, I don't know where, I don't remember. And so little by little, they kind of broke off, you know, until the car that I was in was practically the last car. And I thought, oh, my gosh, where are we going? I mean, this was long. This thing was so long. Then, then, then we went, Father Lamb and the sisters met me. 
Father Lamb was the Marianist priest who helped the sisters start their new foundation. The sisters had jobs teaching at a school and church he helped build outside of San Antonio. I didn't realize, let's put it that way, what Texas was like. Hot, hot, hot. Is that like, was that your initial reaction was, oh my gosh, it's hot? Because this would have been August? October. And I had a coat on. It was a summer coat. It wasn't a, yeah. But uh, I was wearing what we were supposed to wear. Now this, you remember, it's 1949. So then then we went uh, out to Somerset. This was this little, (laughs) I call it a little two-bit town outside of Santa Cla- San Antonio and I think there was supposed to be about 600 people in the town there were four churches or five churches one of them Catholic but it's very Baptist very Baptist apparently as Marie tells me Somerset was so rural that it didn't even have drinkable water after spending a year with the three Spanish sisters in Somerset teaching classes and catechism at the parish Marie decided that she was ready to continue her formation as a sister. Marie would become a novice in Huarte, Spain. And to get there in those days, you had to travel by boat. I went over in July with another young lady who was also interested, who was also a, had, was now a postulant too. This was Dolly Krakow. And she was from either Iowa, I think she was from Iowa, Okay, so we went over, we went uh, third class, which is to be expected, but it wasn't bad. So when we got to the house, um, I guess we were shown our our rooms and that. I don't really remember those few, like the first few hours or the like. I don't even remember, maybe the first day or so. Uh, You know, we went, we ate, ate, et cetera. Uh, The span, the... um, Nabisha in Spain was poor. The Spanish people still had not really recovered fully from their civil war. So even though that was a number of years ago, and they didn't get any help in the Second World War. So between those two things, uh, they didn't always have, um, like they didn't have a lot of different kinds of fruits and the like. They raised uh, some of their own uh, they raised pigs, but then they slaughtered them, and so we ate the pigs that they raised. They're all chickens. Yeah, everybody has chickens. Uh, that's <laughs> standard, I guess. When you became a novice, you wore a wedding gown. I think what they did was they collected, like, bridal gowns. Um, and if possible, you had your godmother there. Now, I didn't have a godmother over there. So they got this lady for me who was very nice, very nice. Her name is Maria Teresa Alloway, I think. And I have a picture somewhere of her with me. But she was very nice, very nice. Gave us delicious little cookies or cupcakes, something like that. The day that I received a habit, that was a big day. As an office, we had you know, just a plain white veil. When we became a professor, sister, then we received a black veil. Our winter habits were woolen, black wool. The, the one sister, Sir Miss 
every year. She'd take the whole thing apart, wash all the pieces. There weren't that many pieces, but washed all of them and then sew them all back together again. Marie starts to tell me what a typical day was like at the Novitiate in Warte. From this, you can start to see some of the cultural differences she encountered on top of language difficulties. We would, well, we would have morning prayers. And I guess mass. Yeah, so it was morning prayers and mass. Morning prayers probably right before mass and then mass. And then we must have had breakfast. And then we helped, well, we did dishes and stuff like that. And then we went we went out and worked in the garden. There, the garden was large for a garden. Uh, and so we helped to weed and to do all those who carry sticks for the beans and then put the sticks away after the beans were grown and all that and take them. Um, we used to carry like take a basket for when we pick when we pick beans, um, so that all went into the basket. Um, and then now I my year didn't do this, but the other years they had to pick up pick up rocks from through the through the garden area because it was rocky. But well, we didn't have to do that. We missed that one, but we did have to carry. Uh, I, I think we had to carry the dirt. He's the dirt of the manure. I'm not sure which of those. <laughs> All of which, for me, was very new. I, I, I mean, I was never on a farm enough to mount anything, so I was, I was definitely not a farm girl. I was definitely a city girl. So we would, we would do that, and then I guess we came in. I think the main meal was at noon. And I remember, see, they would eat a whole, it looked like, to me like this whole big soup dish, you know, the, the kind that are flat of potatoes. And I remember thinking to myself, well, they may be able to eat all that, but I won't. Huh. By the time I left there, I was. But that, that was the way, that, that was their main meal. Didn't have meat hardly ever, except... For the Americans, they had mercy on us, and so we we usually had a little bit of meat and a few little things like that that would help help us to be not quite so away and quite so far from our our uh, our homes. Um, and then in the afternoon, we did take a, a lie down, I think for you know for a little while for a siesta. And then we were back to classes studying, and um, both Dolly and I took piano lessons. That worked out okay. It really did, because then when we came back, when I came back, um, I had to play the organ in Somerset. Didn't know how to play an organ, but I knew how to play a piano. So that works. We didn't eat supper until probably about between 7 and 8. Might have been as late as eight most of the time. I'm not sure. I know that their evening meals in Spain are later than they are over here. And uh, then we went to bed. That was about it. You know, we had, um, they had a dormitory. Uh, Dolly and I slept in a room where there were just two of us in the room that we had. They weren't very big, but they weren't that little either, as far as I can remember. Besides, you weren't supposed to have that much stuff. 
and going all the way across the ocean. We didn't have that much stuff, you know. Uh, eventually, the second year, when we got to the second year, and it was getting close for us to make vows, that's when Dolly decided to leave. She left, what, about June? She, we didn't profess until September. And then I had a chance to go to, to, go to Madrid so that I would get to see a few things before I went back. So I saw the uh, El Prado. I saw the Basilica. I can't remember what the name of the Basilica was. And I, uh, on the ship, I came back by myself. In 1952, Marie returned to Somerset, Texas, now with temporary vows. She began teaching again at the school. She would go on to become principal at a different school. The Sisters Foundation was growing as more American women joined. In later years, Marie would be a school librarian until she retired in the mid-2000s. She also volunteered part-time here at NACMIS. In 2012, she celebrated her Diamond Jubilee. That's 60 years of religious profession. When I asked her to say a bit more about what she learned from those early years of religious life, she reflected more on her time in Spain. Going into a, another country like that and not really understanding, trying but not understanding, um, I think that should help us when we are with people over here who do not know English. And remember how it was, you know, remember, remember the day that you felt like you were this most stupid person in the world? Or, you know, or you were so frustrated you couldn't say the word because you didn't know what it was. I mean, I think that to have a better understanding and maybe sympathy or empathy or whatever they, for a person who does not know English is very important for our country. So I would say that for sure that's one of the things that uh, I think was most important about uh, going to Europe becoming a religious over there, coming back, um, you know, coming back and so on. It helps you to be open, I think. After I listen to the whole interview, I just think of young Sister Marie growing up in Pittsburgh, and then she takes, first she takes that train ride. I love how she tells that story. And now she, the next thing you know, she's on a boat I mean, how adventurous did those first American sisters have to be? That's something that still amazes me. Because um, for many people, just going from Pittsburgh to middle of nowhere, Texas, is a lot. And it was a lot for her. But then going from that to taking an actual boat to Europe, where they speak a different language, you know, it's a different culture is amazing to me. And I asked Marie about that. And she she's really funny because she just was like, well, that's how it had to be. So that's how it had to be. <laughs> you know, like it was very matter of fact, kind of a, an attitude of like, well, if this is what we have to do, then all right. I did stop and ask myself, where have I been courageous in my life? I can say I was ever as courageous as Sister Marie was, and I certainly wouldn't have been at 19. But this interview challenged me to what can I do now and um, has me reflecting back on to have I listened as carefully and trusted 
where I felt God was calling me. And if I could, I'd like to share a Sister Leola story, because you had mentioned, unfortunately, you hadn't had a chance to meet her, and I did get to meet her. And she, and even though she was older, she just had a very vibrant personality. And when we were talking, she just happened to say, well, when I was talking to Bono, I said, you know, you need to slow down. You need to get some rest. And I just sort of looked at her and went, Bono? Are we talking the same Bono? And yes, of course, she was in contact with Bono because of some of their work they did together. And when I was there, I we were talking and I had mentioned that my daughter was in jazz band. And she told me that before she joined, she had dated the drummer from the Woody Herman jazz band. Yeah, that's... I. I hear stories about Laola a lot um, from different people, and she, she loved jazz. Even when she was in her 80s, she would go, sometimes she would go out and listen to live jazz at different places. So yeah, when Marie describes her as an interesting, gifted person, I think that covers it. So I just loved her stories, and I think it just shows the diversity of the Marina sisters. Yeah, that's definitely true. So we hope that you enjoyed this episode of sharing our Marianist stories. If you'd like to know more about the Marianist charism or about the Marianist sisters, go to our website at www.nacmas.org. That's N-A-C-M-S dot org. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends and invite them to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or listen to it from our website. 